This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm joined today by Jessica Bautista, Digital Journalist, and Jennifer Alvarez, Digital Media and Marketing Officer. Today's topic is focusing on how we're using video here in Gilbert and what I call the death of the traditional press release. That's right, the press release as we knew it is dead. Jen, let's talk to you first about your position because in other cities it's usually called a PIO, a public information officer, but here you're really focused on digital marketing and you're not really using traditional methods to write long, drawn-out press releases and you're not spending much time on press releases. Why not? Well, I think you're right. Um, I'm definitely not the traditional PIO um, that you see in most other cities, and that's by design. Um, When I first started four years ago, you had told me that you do not want me sitting at my desk writing press releases all day, every day, that you wanted me to find different ways for us to reach the community, to engage with the media, to tell our own story. And so since then, we've really focused on um, finding ways to um, engage our community that's not through long, drawn-out press releases because, honestly, no one's reading anymore. No one wants to read um, a long press release. So we've um, figured out ways to utilize video, like you mentioned, to um, create uh, more digital press releases that are more engaging and that we can share across multiple platforms like social media through eBlast and other methods. Exactly. So we'll take a blurb and drive them to the video for more information. So Jessica, you handle a lot of our video production. Talk to me about, you came from a news background, which I think is really helpful. And talk to me about why you thought, you know, there was such a need and desire for others to be able to engage through video and get their news that way versus, you know, reading a long press release with 25 quotes in it. And that's the thing coming from news. I knew how much of the press release that the media was actually reading because I read them myself. And you'd kind of skim down through the bullet points. You don't really get past the, the first paragraph. It's a, you get a press release and if it's you know, three or four paragraphs long, you really only need the who, what, when, where, you know, and then if you, you know, if your assignment desks assign it to you as a story, then you go out and that's the information that you get, you gather yourself. So for us, you know, putting it out, just a short blurb and a short video that they could even utilize themselves and and put on their own air. um, I think that's much more effective when you're trying to communicate with the media. And you know, Dana, if I can add to that, we see a lot of our most successful media pitches through social media. I think back to the police department when they um, had the story of the um, officer who was killed in our community from he was an officer in one of our neighbor communities, He was, but he was killed here in Gilbert, and a couple of our officers took his daughter to the father-daughter dance, and the police department just posted a photo about that, and it went viral, and the media picked up on it, national media picked up on it, they ended up visiting, um, being invited to go to Meredith Vieira's show, to be on, on, on her show and tell their story, so um, the media is watching social media, and that's really where they're finding their story ideas now. Exactly, and we had a major fire here, and one of the things we realized after the fire um, a few months ago was that we never sent out a press release during the entire incident. And a lot of that is the use of Twitter, right? I mean, Twitter is really where the media is going to get their information up to date so we can be posting there in real time. And it doesn't have to be, again, a long, drawn-out press release, but just up-to-date information as it's happening. And they're waiting for that. That's where the media is coming to look for information now. So social media is another huge part of that change. And we're going to have future episodes focused just on that, how we're using 
using social media, especially in emergencies. So I think that that's definitely really interesting. And also one of the things I you know, think is really important to point out is that we have a digital newsroom here. And so that's another way that we're sharing content. Jess, tell us about, um, you know, what the digital newsroom is and how it can be used by local media outlets. Okay, that's my favorite thing is our digital newsroom. It's part of our website where you would normally um, see on a government page, you would see their news and events. And it's a news and events page, but ours works a little bit differently. So um, when I make a video, you know, we put it up on that page, we embed it um, through YouTube. So we post everything that we have, we kind of house it on YouTube, but we also um, upload it natively through our different social media networks, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, but we always put it on YouTube so that we can embed it on our website as well. Um, so we do that. We have the blurb that we would normally send out if we're sending a media release or we're posting something about it on Facebook. And then I think the most important part is, you know, when I go out and I shoot, um, I also shoot a little bit extra and, uh, put together kind of a soundbite and some B-roll. And that's just, you know, a clip of, you know, an interview sound that the news would use and some extra footage. And I put it up on an FTP site. And that uh, we put a downloadable button. It's kind of a link on our webpage that the media can go to and download themselves. And they can throw it up on their own. They can edit it themselves. And I think that's a great resource for them to have. And people might be saying, you know, why would you want to do that? Why wouldn't the media do their own story? Well, really, one of the things that we always talk about is being our own internal news agency and telling our own story. And a lot of that is because we can't get the coverage here in Gilbert. We can't get people to, you know, come out and cover our events. So if we're covering them already, then they're happy to take our footage. But it's not just any footage. It has to be high quality, high definition, ready for air. And I think that's what differentiates us. You know, you ask why aren't other cities doing this? I think it's because you have to have the right people creating the quality video that would be used on a broadcast. That's right. It's eight, We shoot HD quality video. We shoot with the cameras that you know, uh, media outlets would normally shoot with. And, uh, you know, I edit, I edited for news for five years. And so I know kind of what they're looking for and what they'd put on air. And we give that to them. And, you know, and then that's another way for us to kind of control that story and, and put out the good news of Gilbert, things that normally wouldn't get coverage, because it's not, you know, a controversy uh, or anything like that. But it just makes it easier for them to put out the good news about Gilbert as well. And when you say control that story, I want to clarify <laughs> because I, I wouldn't classify it necessarily that way, but I think that you're right. A lot of times it can be frustrating when um, you know a news organization will come and tell one angle of a story. Yes, that it, you it might puts not. our side out there and it puts um, it puts you know, these events that they normally wouldn't send somebody out to Gilbert, you know, that we're a suburb of Phoenix. So there's a lot going on in the city. There's a lot of crime in, you know, Phoenix that they cover and things like that. We're the second safest city in the country. So, you know, not much of a reason to send somebody out here and cover the doom and gloom of Gilbert. We don't have much. So when you've got a festival going on or you've got um, a charity event that really deserves the coverage like that, um, giving it to them, in a way that is so easy, it's so quick, all they have to do is download it and edit it into their story. It's it's really a convenience for them, and it's kind of a, a win-win situation because we get that news out there as well. 
Absolutely. And we have, you know, more than 240,000 people who live here and they could go looking for news about Gilbert and not be able to find it. Mm -hmm. If they're going to azcentral.com or local papers or even tuning in on the nightly news, they're probably not going to find a lot of Gilbert coverage. So again, it's not even as if we're trying to, you know, beat them to the story per se, but really we're the ones telling the story about what's happening in the community. And the people who live here want to know. They want to know what's going on. They want to know what's happening. Um, And also prospective businesses or people that might want to move here want to know the community that they're going to come into. So, you know, it's a great marketing tool. And I think, again, just talking about the different uses, especially with video that we have, you know, are really, really powerful. And, you know, I think another thing is... We don't have dedicated reporters anymore. When I came, we had multiple newspaper reporters who covered every event here, every council meeting we had. And unfortunately, sadly, um, you know, an industry that I love, the newspaper industry is dwindling and you can't get that coverage anymore. And so I think it's been really interesting also with obviously the evolution of Twitter and social media that that's changed a lot of that. Um, but we can't get people to come out and cover us. So one of the other pieces of it is telling our own story is also empowering our employees um, to be experts and to be able to speak to the media when they are covering, but also to be prepared for us because we put people on camera here daily. And so um, we put them through media training. So let's talk a little bit about um, what that media training looks like and, and why, Jen, especially you, because you're, you know, what others would consider a traditional PIO and, you know, in other cities, um, you're really focused on, you know, getting their message straight, getting them prepped to either be on camera, um, but you're not really a talking head for them anymore. You're empowering them with the message to share. Right. No, definitely not a talking head. You know, I think, um, we always laugh and say that we have to be we have to know a little bit about everything and, and and I do but at the end of the day our staff is really the experts on the topics that the media is reaching out to us about and we want them to tell their story to tell their side you know I can tell the basics the talking points the three pieces of information that they give me but they're going to be able to answer the more in-depth questions that the media really wants the answers to so we empower them we uh, support them and give them the tools that they need in order to be successful and feel comfortable talking to the media. And Jess, you do a video training piece too. Talk to us about that and some of the do's and don'ts of, yes. um, you know, what you do on camera and, and so forth. You know, I, it, it always is interesting to me how um, someone, you know, could be perfectly articulate until you put them in front of a camera. Um, and then you get the fidgeting and the paper, you know, rattling their notes, looking down, things like that. So we just give... I mean, even experts do oh, that. Yeah. I mean, we all yeah, do even experts, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's just, you know, it's, it's a different kind of communicating and, and when you don't do it day in and day out, you know, you really need kind of a, a set of tools to guide you on that. So yeah, we make a, um, a media do's and don'ts video and it's part of the media training and it just talks about, um, some tips and tricks for on-camera interviews. Um, and they include things like not holding notes. You know, a lot of people use their notes as a crutch and they kind of rely on that text below and they're looking down. And they're really, as Jen said, the experts on the topic. So just rely on what you know. Um, other tips, uh, like what to wear, what looks good on camera, what doesn't. Um, you know, little things like don't chew gum, <laughs> things that would slip people's minds. Um, and Jen's motioning to me, I don't know. The dress appropriately. The dress no, appropriately, yeah. No logos of inappropriate um, companies or, you know, just make sure that you're wearing 
um, something that represents the organization well. Exactly. Um, kind of like wear your uniform or a Gilbert shirt or just a plain color and not kind of like a Nike swoosh across your chest during the TV interview. So things like that. And I think it really empowers employees to feel confident when they are asked by Jen or by you or by the uh, you know, a reporter to say something on camera that they feel confident in their interviewing skills and also in the fact that they know what they're talking about because they are the expert. My biggest pet peeve is the no comment. I mean, I when I came to this organization, I think there was a large amount of people, you know, that were afraid of the media. They were very scared of it. And I'd been on that end, so I understood, you know, the media has a job to do. They have deadlines they have to meet. They have to file a certain number of stories every week. And that's very important that we work with them um, to make that a healthy, productive relationship to give them the information they need so they can do their job and we're doing our job by promoting um, the city. And I think that that's really crucial. Um, but one of the you know things that makes me crazy is the no comment or very vague answers or avoiding it. And so that's something we really have had to work hard to change the mindset of the organization about where, um, again, there was this fear around talking with the media or being on camera or giving a written statement. And I think a lot of that, you know, is, you know, unfortunate because we had a, a, a steep hill to climb. And I'm sure a lot of other cities, if they're listening, um, could probably relate. But one of the things I would say is to, you know, kind of change that mindset. We talk about social media too. Don't be afraid of it, you know, embrace it. And same thing with media. You know, this is you know, any coverage is good coverage, in my opinion. You know, if your name's out there, it might not always be, you know, 100% what you're, you know, you the way you would have written it. But, you know, look at it as an opportunity and empower your experts, like you said, Jen, with the information that they need to go out and tell the story. And I think, you know, that's really, really important, really powerful. And the media will appreciate that. Another thing is just being proactive about it. Um, a lot of cities I know too are very reactive. They wait for a reporter to come or they wait for a story to happen and then ask for a quote and then they go scrambling trying to find the information. I always find and I try to encourage um, our staff and I think our organization to be proactive. If we know something's coming up, we're prepared. We have talking points. We have prepped them. We know um, we're ready for it. It's not a surprise. Um, and I think that that's you know, really, really essential um, in, this, in this line of work and kind of churning out that daily news but staying ahead of it. And this, the reporters need stories, and so they're going to come looking for them. So if you have them, you should pitch them. Jen, talk to me about how you pitch stories to um, local reporters. I know you've got one in particular who reaches out almost every month and says, hey, give me some stories for this month. And so we always plan ahead and know what's you know, on the horizon to be able to provide them that information and then connect them with the experts. Right. You know, I am so connected with the entire organization and what's going on. Um, I usually have a couple stories uh, that I can um, have on the back burner in case, you know, for when that the reporters do or the media does come asking and looking for stories. Like you said, it's been a, a little bit of a challenge just because it, the media has been shrinking and we have had so much turnover when it comes to reporters. But, um, you know, working with the organization to, to tell their stories. And a lot of the stories we get through, um, they want us to promote on social media as well. So then we kind of get to use them for both. Um, but, you know, when the reporters reach out, I, you know, I have my go-tos. I kind of have my my hands in a little bit of everything uh, across the organization. So I know the major topics that are um, trending across our organization that uh, we need to be promoting or that we want to promote um, that the residents want to hear about. Absolutely. And I think that that's super important. Jess, you came from news. What has it been like to kind of switch mindsets for you being on both sides as well? Because I think that's an interesting dynamic. So you were on the news side because you can kind of understand what it means to go out and get the story and find the story. Yeah. And now you're generating the story on the other end. Talk to me about that. 
It's, I think it's an advantage. I really do. Because, um, you know, from a story pitching perspective and things that we talked about, like uh, how to write a new press release that is going to have video embedded and it's going to be shorter and you know what they're going to, to look at. I think uh, that kind of gives us an advantage because we know what they're looking for and we know how to give it to the, you know, how to give the media what they want. Um, so I think that's been helpful. And also just from a storytelling perspective, having that journalistic background being able to produce high quality pieces that are news um, for our own digital newsroom, not just for the media. We, we've talked a lot about, you know, how we give the media the stories and, you know, give them the tools and we give them that raw video. But that digital newsroom isn't just for them. It's for the community as well. Um, and anybody can go on there and kind of use that as their news source, just like they would um, another network or another channel or another newspaper website or a magazine. And I think that's really cool, too, is being able to be our own news agency in that sense. And, you know, I think that background gives me that skill set. And we've had people use our entire packages. Yes. Um, that actually makes me really excited. When, um, um, uh, yeah, we've had a few stories and even we do a lot of event promotion. So, you know, we'll, we'll put together a short 30 second video of an upcoming event and it'll get embed right into AZ Central's website, which is the newspaper that's, you know, one of the biggest papers in the Valley in the Phoenix area. And so for them to take our video and see it as high quality enough to just put it out there on their own site is, uh, I think, a really good thing. I think that was really shocking for the media at first. Like, wait, you're going to let us use your your videos? <laughs> yeah. You want us to use your videos? So um, we really did go through a, a time frame where we had to let them know that it's okay. We want this. You we know, kind feel of had free. To, yeah. We want to make this easier on you to promote Gilbert and all the things that are going on in our community because we do know that you don't have that staff um, or those capabilities to send people out anymore. So I remember AZ Central especially, they're like, wait, we can we can embed this on our website? We're like, yes, absolutely, please do. So Yeah, because they're being forced to create video content. So they're print mm -hmm. reporters who traditionally yes. have just had to write, and suddenly they're also being asked, just like we were, you know, feeling like, okay, a long drawn-out press release, a long written article without any visual, without a still image or a video isn't compelling enough. And it's the same reasons that they're embedding video that we are. And so we're all, you know, essentially doing the same kind of job and approaching it from the same angle. Um, but again, it's, I don't see very many other cities that are doing this. And in my mind, it, it seems very logical because again, we're just following the trends of the news business. You know, mm -hmm. that's, that's where it's at. If you don't have an engaging video, if you don't have an image, then your story is not going to be as compelling. So I think that that's, you know, really interesting. One of the things is another point that I really want to touch on is access. What I think is really interesting, too, is that oftentimes, and the police um, bust, when we busted that big theft ring, um, we had access to get in and shoot video that the media didn't. But we were able to get video footage of something before the media was. Another example is with the recent fire, um, Jen used Periscope to go live and had access that the media didn't. And we're going to have an entire episode talking about crisis communications coming up in a few weeks where we're going to really focus on how we're using live video um, and other means like social media and Twitter, as I mentioned earlier, to communicate in an emergency. And I think that's another huge piece of it is the access. When we're on the inside of an organization, we are privy to information first. We can get in. One of the things I know, Jen, you did with the Periscope was get in to see the firefighters being rehydrated. Well, they can't let the media in there, and they wouldn't. The media is in a staging area on the other side 
of the entire incident. So that's another really powerful tool. And I think, you know, our public is super appreciative to get to see something that they wouldn't get to see on the 10 o'clock news. Right. It's a different side of um, an incident occurring. You know, obviously, I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit more when we do talk about that crisis communication. But um, you know, you have someone like a PIO or like someone in my position who knows what she, what you can and can't share, um, but it is really um, beneficial. And we saw that the community really appreciated seeing that other side to fighting a fire. Because, I mean, you can only say or show the fire so much before it gets a little repetitive, right? You know, still putting out the fire. Um, but to be able to show um, the firefighters at work um, or what, you know, what they go through after Um, They're done fighting the fire is really a powerful image for the community to see. And we had a local business see that and send over, you know, an enormous amount of pizza for them to give them food. And I think that that was a big reason why they sent that food was because they saw, oh, they're, you know, the firefighters, they could see them. It made it real. You know, when you put an image with something, it's, it's relatable. And so they felt like, oh, we need to do something. And so that was really powerful too. And again, they wouldn't have seen that if it wasn't for social media. So we're going to have a bunch of episodes, you know, in the future talking about how we're using social media. We manage more than 25 channels, but there's a live element of it, I think, too, especially in emergencies where, um, and if you can't get someone out to cover it, you know, again, if, if they don't have the ability to send, you know, one of the things we had a drone over an incident recently, and I'm not quite sure they would have let just any drone fly over the incident. <laughs> so um, that's really cool. As you mentioned about the uh, the investigation and the fire incident, you know, a lot of these access issues are that that investigation was ongoing. And so uh, you really can't let an outside agency in to take that video and, and be free to release it immediately. So what we did was when we shot it, we held it until the investigation was over and they were ready to do the rest of the, uh, you know, the rest of the video and the um, interviews and the press conference about it. Um, but that stage that we shot with them sorting, they had all of this uh, merchandise that had been stolen and they were st- sorting it. That part of the investigation would have been over by the time they could release it to the public. So, you know, it was a great thing to have that footage and to be able to release it and to be able to give it out to the news agencies who actually every single major news agency in the market used that video. So, And just thinking back to the, the fire that Dana mentioned, uh, you know, we had done, you had recorded our fire PIO kind of giving the statement of what happened and it was an accident and there was nothing you know, a, nothing more he could really say than that it was an accident. And mm-hmm. so he was very limited in what he could say to the media. So you recording that, him saying that beforehand and us sending that out to the media for them to use, saved them a trip out to Gilbert, first of all. But then it also um, helped him when he said, that's really all that I can say at this time. You have the, you know, the, the speaking points, you have what I'm able to say at this time. If there's any other information, we'll be, able, be sure to share it. But um, I know that he mentioned that that saved him from doing a ton of interviews because they were just using his soundbite or the video clip or um, his talking points. Yeah, when there's not much to say, it's kind of a bummer to send all of the, you know, for the reporter to drive out and um, to sit through a press or something where there's really, there's very little information to be at. So that's right. Awesome. Well, this was fun. Did you guys have a good time? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Jennifer and Jessica's first podcast to join us, and there'll be many more. We have a really fun, dynamic team here in Gilbert, especially 
um, when it comes to government communication. So I'm really excited about it, and there's a lot more to talk about. And so you don't want to miss our next podcast because we're going to get very specific about how we're using and producing video. We're going to talk um, about both short and long-form video, so you don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and until next time, be sure to engage with us on social media. Follow us at Gilbert Yourtown on Twitter and Instagram, and like us at Gilbert Town Hall on Facebook. Check out our videos at gilbertaz.gov backslash YouTube. And if you have questions or comments for us, use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. We'll see you next time from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Gone Digital.